just you, shotguns and margaritas, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, welcome to Facet. My name is Daryl. And it's dating you. And this week we're talking about backups. We're a little bit delayed in having this episode because of the reason you should have backups. Would you like to explain, my friend? Make a long story short, uh, it all began with an iPhone that found its way into a toilet. How are you going to go make a long story short and then go, it all began, like you're going to start telling some epic yarn? <laughs> Look, it's just how I describe things that happen. So, you know, it's a cut it short. The wife was out and toilet went, you know, and phone met each other, uh, brings it back to me. It's a goner, which is fine. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to give you my iPhone and I'm going to uh, put your profile and stuff on my iPhone and I'll go get a new one. Go to my MacBook Pro, boot her up and nothing. After the next hour, hour and a half of trying to get my MacBook Pro to act right and figured, I'll just wipe it. Let me pull from my backup from my time machine and re-image it and everything else. That didn't work. Nothing was working. I realized, okay, there's something going on with my solid state drive. Um, So make the appointment for it to go into Apple and ergo while we were down for two weeks because they waited upon these parts and everything else to get it up again. Um, But needless to say, thank goodness I have backups because we're back and after a couple of hours of uh, re-imaging everything and stuff and even the phones and everything else, we're good. But, you know, it, it was the pre-planning and the pre-thoughts of the fact to have the backups, to have everything set up, to, to ha- actually keeping up with those things that allowed for uh, me not to have to rebuild and re-download and reset up everything on all my devices. So backups are very, very important. Because the things that you don't expect to happen sometimes happen. And it makes everything so much easier. And the part about this that made it all funny is I had started working on an article because I blog about once a year or so. And I started on an article that was going to be listing like how I do all of my backups, extracting data from apps and tools and stuff so that I have backups of everything. And I started in on this, and then we were talking about topics for the show. And I said, well, why don't we do backups? And she said, okay, that sounds great. And then we had our last show, and we didn't really want to talk on a topic. And we mentioned we were going to do backups next time. And then everything goes to heck. So the timing is comical, at least. I blame Daryl. Yeah, I can take the blame. I have strong shoulders, mostly. <laughs> Weak knees, strong shoulders. Um, but yeah, so we figured we'd talk about the different kinds of backups to have, uh, how many backups to have, because just a single backup is better than zero, but a single backup is also the chance for one problem to have you have no backups. So the first thing I'd like to cover is having more than one backup and having your backups in more than one place. If you have a Windows computer, you can set up, they, they have backup tools in there. I'm not super familiar with them yet. Uh, if you have a Mac, there is Time Machine, which is just plugging in an external hard drive, at least as big as the, the drive on your computer, and setting it up. It'll ask you if you want to set it up, and it'll continually back your computer up 
to that local system, to that time machine drive. And there's similar tools for Windows, and I'm pretty sure there's similar tools somewhere for Linux. The good thing is, is this is a set it and forget it backup. It just keeps backing up your computer. You don't have to worry about it. If something goes wrong, you can always go back and restore. It doesn't negate the problem, however, if you have a fire in your house or someone comes in and steals your computer and your backup drive because it's sitting right next to your computer. So you need a second backup and that backup should be an off-site backup. And they have a lot of tools out there. There are a lot of companies out there that provide this. Uh, the two that I am familiar with and would recommend are CrashPlan and Backblaze. They work on Windows. They work on Mac. They are solid performance. And they just back up. They don't back up. They don't do a whole computer backup. Like you can't restore your whole computer from them. But they can back up all of your data. And for a very reasonable price, they will store crazy amounts of data for you. I think I have... I'd say I have three or so terabytes of storage up in CrashPlan. And I know people who have done the same thing for Backblaze. Are you using one of these things, Davinia? No, I am not. And uh, I'll let you finish and I'll explain my setup. Um, so pretty much at least having one local backup and one off-site backup. Even if your off-site backup is a, is a drive that you do a clone of your computer with using a tool like SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Cloner or similar tools, and that you just take off-site, like you drop it at a friend's house or in a safety deposit box every week. I do all three of these things. So I have a weekly whole disk clone of my computer. I have a time machine set up, and I have off-site backup. But I'm a little paranoid about these things. So... And so what are you doing now? What You were able to at least restore from Time Machine, I assume. Yeah, I, re- I did the restores from Time Machine, uh, which is the one I have locally at home. And then I also have um, a bootable drive that I actually keep two of uh, my systems. I have one for my Windows, one also for my Mac, and I keep that up to date. I, I love SuperDuper, by the way. That's actually a really good one. And I also have an external drive. Now, the only thing I'm not doing with the external drive is dropping it in my safety deposit drop box, which I do have one, which, you know, after you made the suggestion, I'm like, oh, that's actually a good idea. I might start doing that and to keep it there because I don't have it off site with my friend, which would be you, which might even be a good idea too. keep it at your house. You're closer to my safety deposit box. What you can also do in that case is you can, like I can drop the drive off with you on like Thursday. You can do a clone of your system Thursday night. And then when we see each other Friday again at work, you can hand the drive back to me. That way it's only at your house long enough to do the backup and then it comes back into my possession. So it's off site. Yeah. Because I literally, it's something that I normally physically have with me in my backpack when I go to work and stuff. Of course, when I come home, it's home again. That backpack's also the one thing if there is something happening in the house, like a fire or something, that will leave the house with me. You know, I don't have a purse. I'm not that kind of girl. That's the one thing that I would run out of the house with. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably a good plan to start doing something like that. But I never, and I don't know why, I, I haven't, I thought about it one time, dropping a, um, the image into my Dropbox, but I don't feel comfortable with that fully. And I don't even know what your thoughts on that is. You're creating a like a, an ISO of your 
mm-hmm. hard drive. Yeah. Okay. If you're concerned about that, but you want to put it like into Dropbox, you can do that. Dropbox is a synchronization system. It's not really, it's not designed as a backup solution. You can kind of fudge it, but if you delete files out of that, they have limited retention on Dropbox. Their versioning is very limited. You get a little bit more if you're paying for like their enterprise plan, uh, or I think they have like an add-on to their normal plans that increases the their versioning and their uh, backup retention, or you know their data retention. They're not architected as a backup solution. They're architected as a software syncing or as a data syncing solution. The other part of it is Dropbox is very expensive for backup. Yes, you can get like a terabyte of storage off of Dropbox. I think it's like a hundred bucks a year, but it's like ten dollars a month, hundred bucks a year, something like that. But that's a terabyte. Whereas with say Crash Plan or Backblaze, you get unlimited backups for like $5 a month. It's just massive amounts of storage. And you can restore from them. It's a little more difficult to restore from them, but you have better... Like, I would trust that I'm not going to lose something in Backblaze or Crash Plan. If you want to put that, however, that ISO up into the disk image into Dropbox, just as a place to store it, if you're concerned about the security of your whole hard drive being up in Dropbox, what you can do is you can create a secure disk image, a sparse image bundle, put the ISO into that and then have that uh, that encrypted disk image go up into Dropbox and then it's encrypted and saved the password that only you know. I keep an encrypted disk image up in Dropbox with a lot of like my personal documentation and things like that. But even if somebody got into my Dropbox, if they ha- unless they had the password to that, that encrypted folder, they wouldn't be able to get into it. That's personal and local. That's not a part of what Dropbox offers. So that would be a route to go. All right. And I have a folder like that. That up there now that I keep uh, certain personal for say uh, documents and stuff in that and that's worked pretty well. Um, but yeah, I am doing the uh, terabyte a year, you know, subscription with them right now. And, you know, five bucks a month. And I'm not trying to sound like a commercial or anything. It's not bad. And I always say this to you. I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to look into that. Never do it. And I, I really should. If you listen to other podcasts, you can usually find a coupon code because Backblaze usually does a lot of advertising on podcasts. So you can usually find a coupon code that will give you like a reduced price, like five or 10% off, something like that. And I know a lot of people who trust them. And the other thing that I really like about Backblazes, their blog is amazing. We, in fact, we even referenced it in a previous uh, episode of our show because we were using their blog and talking about hard drives. And Backblaze is the company that does the hard drive reliability reports because they have so many drives because they're backing up so much data. They can actually run analytics on like what the lifetime usage and like the failure rate of hard drives is. So they do a lot of good stuff for the community, not just backing up people's uh, storage. I also heard recently that they're getting into to something similar to like uh, Amazon cloud storage where for like businesses, like if you want to store data, they'll, they're actually going to start supporting like businesses storing data in their cloud as like application data, that kind of stuff. And I'm interested in that, but they're, they're a good company. I, I trust Backblaze because they seem to do things very well. Um, but yeah, 
five bucks a month. Seriously, if you do nothing else, they even usually have like a yearly plan for a hundred bucks. Man, it's worth it. Because like the thing that we're not talking about, we're just talking about mechanics right now. The point of backups is your computer nowadays holds so much stuff that you can never recover if it goes away and you don't have a backup. Before you could possibly like find the negatives of film and redevelop pictures uh, or restore pictures that you had, you might be able to go and re-download music from somewhere. You know, if you re-rip like a CD or, you know, if a tape didn't get destroyed, you could re-rip the tape or record movies you could re-rip dvds if you have them but so much of the stuff either we don't have physical media for in the first place anymore or the physical media we've gotten rid of at that point if you lose your data on your computer you've lost that thing you no longer have it you're either going to have to go and rebuy it if it's just media that you can refine somewhere or if it's personal documents if it's pictures if it's videos of your family and friends those are gone forever if you don't have backups. And that's the part that, that's the reason that I'm so kind of strident about backups is as we go into more and more digital lifestyle, which I do, I don't keep physical items usually. That means I have to be more vigilant about making sure that I don't lose those digital goods. You know, those, those, those articles, those documents, those pictures, those videos, because those can never be recovered if something goes horribly wrong. And there's so many ways for it to go horribly wrong by by theft, by computers dying, because they're going to die at some point, uh, electrical surges, fires, floods, a spilled glass of water, um, a cat grabbing a cable and knocking your computer off of a desk and breaking something. There's so many ways for you to lose that data that if you do not have some kind of backup, it's you're just so close to having all that stuff go away forever. Yeah, and that- Pricing on the uh, backblazes, uh, the $5 a month, $50 a year, or $95 for two years. So is there anything else you do for backing up your computer besides Time Machine and maybe someday soon backblaze or crash plan or whatever? Yeah, just the other two. I told you the external drive and also having the um, thumb drive, also the USB also. But um, everything else is uh, synchronized as far as files and stuff with a Dropbox. And then, you know, all my passwords and everything. We talked about this before with 1Password and different things like that. But as far as for the complete computer itself as far as you know the image of the that's currently my uh usage um i don't i don't really use any other like cloud-based ones or anything like that and stuff as far as for my phones and all that no apple's always like hey you just back it out to the cloud uh, i haven't um i don't like their price points so that's a good place to move on to the next part which is still talking about like whole device backups we've talked about computers but we also have phones and we have tablets with an iPhone at least you've got two backup solutions kind of natively for it you've got the iCloud backups that Apple suggests and pushes quite heavily which are free if you can keep yourself under five gigs of data that is getting backed up Uh, I finally after years started to butt up against that but I'm sure other people run up against it fast too their prices have gotten a lot better because they've gone to like a buck a month for 50 gigs I think is what it is it's like a buck a month for 50 gigs and that's a real hard one to overcome for what actually gets backed up in an iCloud backup the other thing is is you can back up your phones to your computer using iTunes just back up the whole phone and that's probably a good idea to have as well as just a secondary backup I've started to make sure that every week I I always have the iCloud backup turned on so that it backs up every night but then every week I also back up my both my phone and my tablet to my computer as an encrypted 
backup. And the reason I use an encrypted backup is because then it keeps all of like the Wi-Fi passwords and my like any of the passwords and settings and stuff stored. It's not just the raw data and things. There's some bonuses to doing an encrypted backup when you back up to your computer. Android, I'm pretty sure has the same thing. There's, I believe, some tools on Windows and on Mac to back up your whole phone. And I think Google has stuff to, to back up settings and everything for Android phones. I know nothing about Windows phones and even less about Blackberries. But for a lot of people, phones are becoming more and more important because they're storing more and more stuff on there. I was talking with my roommate who finally upgraded to a large, new, modern phone. And he used to keep almost nothing on his phone because it was a little tiny piece of junk Android phone, like really low cost, low quality one. And he finally got a big Galaxy Galaxy Note 3 something and he'd started putting stuff on it and we were talking the other night and I'm like if that phone goes into a toilet let's say how much do you lose and he's like I lose a lot so we started to go through and look at all the different applications on this phone and say well how can we have this sync somewhere off of the phone so like instead of using the notes on the phone he's now using Google Docs because at least that way it saves all those documents up to the cloud and he's starting to go through the different uh, programs he has on his phone and find ways to make sure that that data gets synced off the phone on a regular basis yeah I, I absolutely know nothing about Windows phones uh too I, I couldn't answer it i can answer the stuff about the pcs with the backups and how that works but as far as the phones nah in it well how are how are you and you and your wife backing up your phones and your tablets because you're pretty heavy users of well uh, probably her more so than i am with the phones but no it's it's actually right now going to uh the computer itself as far as my mac and then you know going over from there with the backup from there it's not a separate backup for the phones uh, currently. Well, it is a separate backup insofar as you have to take the extra step of backing the, the phone up to the computer, and then that rolls into your normal clone duplicates, offsite backup systems, things like that. Essentially, one backup feeds into another. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, one of the things I tried to do uh, during this time period where everything was all messed up with me and everything, I actually attempted to try to see if I could access the backup itself um, separately from the computer and actually get a hold of it and uh, remove it separately from there to be able to move over from there to another computer and stuff. And Apple makes that very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. You know, as far as getting a hold of that from without going through uh, iTunes to access it as far as where where it was. It used to be easier, but now it was it was real hard trying to get through the terminal to actually get to that thing or even locate it out through Finder. It was a whole mess. I should have brought it up to you. I had never thought about it at the time to talk to you about it but yeah it's something about where in el capitan they're placing that thing now it's you can't get to it like you used to i hadn't even thought about that i knew man i used to know where it was i didn't know they changed it in the newer versions of the operating system yeah and, and i used to know how to get to it too but now it's it, you can't find it there anymore under the old mapping of where they used to place it and you know because it's its own separate little file that sits there you should be able to grab that thing and copy that thing separately you know it just it was just weird but um maybe something we could explore separately yeah so we've talked about what happens if your computer goes away or if your phone gets trashed or your tablet gets destroyed the one thing though that uh, what kind of started this whole thought was me thinking about what happens if the different online services and applications that I use break or get shut down or go away. And so I started going through and doing this long list of all the different apps that I use. And do they store their data? Like do, what kind of data do they store? And how do I get my data 
out of them into a place that I control in case that service shuts down. So I've got, I've gone through and written up how to back up things like Pinboard, which is where I save bookmarks and Instapaper for read later articles. And I even wrote software to go and back up my list of uh, starred repositories on GitHub. I've got all of my source code that I write saved into multiple places. So it backs up to Git repositories on my NAS, plus I've got them on a Git repositories that I control, a GitLab instance on a virtual server that I control. And then I have like a couple of them are also on GitHub. So I, like, I've distributed my, my points of failure. And part of my monthly backup routine now is to go to all these different services and a bunch of different apps on my phone and my computer and back my data up out of them, move them off to a place that gets wrapped up in my crash plan backup and my uh, whole disk cloning just so that even if uh, an app gets destroyed and will no longer launch or uh, an online service gets shut down because or as they like to say sunsetted I don't lose my data yeah and that was what made your um, article so interesting was the fact of covering that and a lot of other people's stuff haven't really talked about that itself and I've had that happen a couple of times with somebody get bought out or they get chased over or they end up closing out completely um, and mainly with uh, some of my bookmark ones I've used before in the end I remember I, I initially started with Google's and I remember when it was going away I was like ah and then from there I moved over to uh, you know Pinboard and different things like that but you know uh, some of the other apps I think was Cheddar or something I used at one time went yeah. away yeah a couple of things I've used have gone away and and I've gone to the hassle of you know downloading and exporting out you know the files and stuff like that but nothing I've ever set up to automatically do that as part of my routine and downloading and having that information already you know set the other part to that is like sometimes like the company doesn't even know they're going to be losing stuff. Just recently, Facebook, uh, about a couple of years ago, Facebook bought a company called Parse. And Parse was essentially a backend service for apps. So if you're developing an app for iPhone or Android or Windows or Mac, you could use Parse to control your backend. So where you store your data, handling your user authentication, all these different tools Parse provided made it really easy to spin up an application for testing or uh, you could even use it to run like large scale applications. And they were starting to do well and Facebook came in and bought them. And Facebook has usually been a really good steward of things that they've bought, unlike Google or Amazon in some ways, especially Google, most of the things that that Facebook buys, they are pretty good stewards of. Uh, they've been a good steward of Instagram. They've been a good steward of Oculus. But last month, back in January, they announced that they're going to be shutting down Parse. And they're doing a good job of shutting down Parse insofar as they're not going to actually shut the service down for a year. And even then, they're providing tools for you to export your data from them and even set up kind of like a small instance of Parse so that you can kind of run your data off of it. But the problem is, because you had pretty good a pretty good free plan on Parse, there were a lot of people that were building apps as freelancers for other people that would just use Parse for the back end. And the person that owns that app that actually distributes it on the app store, they don't know that Parse is the back end for their app. There's companies that there, there are apps that are no longer really being maintained that have back ends in Parse. So when Parse gets shut down next year, all of a sudden there's going to be a ton of apps that just stop working. And there's nothing in the app that tells you as the user of that app that, oh, hey, look, this may be going away at some point. You have no idea. 
all of a sudden your app just stops working. Your data just goes away. And that's one of the reasons I've become so kind of paranoid about extracting my data from these tools or from, you know, from the stuff that I use. So at the very least, I can sift through it, pull the content out, rebuild it somewhere else if I need to, but it never actually vanishes on me. I was looking at your picture on your blog. We really need to update that. <laughs> like seriously, that's where you're going to go after all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, I'm random. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, we need to update that picture. Not that you've changed that much since that picture was taken. I use that picture all over the place. I know. And here, I thought when you started to say that your your picture on your blog, I was thinking you're going to be talking about the the monkey with the little glass jar brain. But no, she has to attack me directly. It wasn't really an attack. I know. That's a monkey. <laughs> I'm kidding. Technically, I think that's an ape. Yeah, I should really check that out, and they'll of course be in the show notes later. If- and uh, check out his blog. It's real good stuff. But back to our conversation. Um, so our podcast, how are we backing that up right now? Currently, I keep both the raw files of both your and my audio. I keep the all the little clips that I put in. I keep the, the exported kind of merged, uh, essentially a uh, complete file uh, after I've done all the editing and everything. So I have all three of those different versions of the audio. Plus I have the show notes as a markdown document and all of those get pushed onto my NAS, which gets picked up by crash plan. So it's backed up off site. My, even the thing that I keep to generate the RSS feed is part of my, uh, if you read that article I've got on the blog, I even show how to export that, that information from the, the app I use to create the RSS feed that then f- goes up onto the site so that people can download it in their podcast catcher. So the entire system is backed up. Like I said, paranoid about most things. Right. And you know, and the other thing I was thinking of too, like say for instance, some of the um, websites and stuff that I administer to, you know, the because of how they're set up and stuff, they have backups that they utilize and stuff. And then also anything of my updates and stuff that I'm doing uh, to the site, I'm also updating locally, you know, the uh, full site that's part of my backup routine. They do, you know, also have their local backups that they have for it. And then a, an extra server, I guess, offsite that they end up backing that up to also. So in case that one goes out. So, you know, making sure to check out those kind of things if you are doing any kind of website development and different things and stuff to make sure you verify and check uh, for whatever service or whoever you're utilizing what their current plan is and make sure you get one that actually is not just one place of failure, which would be bad. You know, they lose, you know, some of these ones I know I've seen a couple and it's one place. And I'm like, okay, if that crashes, you're going to lose everything. So multiple servers and stuff and different things, they're also a good idea. That's what I hate about some of our work we do at, at our job and the things and how difficult that has been to make sure that we have a good plan there on our backups for, you know, our, our things. And I find myself with some of the uh, things I'm working on having it in multiple places just because of the fact that we don't have and we're working on it, but we don't have a clear plan for our own local group wise development for backups and development servers and test servers and all that stuff. But we're, we're in the process of working on that. Yeah. We're, we're device constrained at work. So we get, we don't have necessarily all the, 
essentially the storage space to put all the backups at work. I've tried to mitigate that as much as I could with like some of the stuff I've been working on, but my stuff is a lot easier to backup because it doesn't touch bloody SharePoint. So Yeah, and I love it. It's like there's this real attitude of not really caring that much about that kind of stuff with uh, us. You know, you look at, for instance, our, you know, the, the desktop users and the people at, that are working on things and something happens to their computer and it crashes and they come in and they bring them a new computer and that's the end of it. Sorry about all your settings and everything you had before and how your computer is set up and anything that, you know, most users don't realize and they have on their local C drive because they're uh, PC based. Sorry, here's a new computer. Well, in their defense, technically, everybody's supposed to be having all of their documents stored off onto a network, sh- uh, network drives so that if the computers die, they can just swap them out. And then those network drives are being backed up. So, But that would actually require education of the users and teach them and telling them that in the beginning and in dot when they first get hired on uh, how to, it's never told to them. I got nothing for that. Yeah, it's never told to them. You know, it's something when I, I still worked in that department, um, I went around and I would discuss with the users and I would try my best. I, I had a little tool I would use a lot of times and I would plug into their hard drive and try to copy that stuff over to get it to them. And then I would do a little one-on-one education for them in the future, prevention of that, and also setting up with backups with Outlook, uh, which is their main uh, mail server that they're using, and teach them how to redirect uh, that to the uh, network uh, share rather than the local C, which is by default. It's always local, doing little things like that and telling them about, hey, all that stuff you got tossed on your desktop, on your computer. Yeah, you might want to save that here rather than there. Uh, but, you know, you think one by one and how many employees that are there, it, it really should be something that should be added on um, in the beginning uh, when they first get hired for education wise. But I bring it up as a note for you because um, we're mainly been talking about personal, um, but your work life, I know everybody is some kind of way is attached to some kind of computer, especially if you work in an office environment. And it's something you might want to think about at your work. Ask the questions about, hey, do we have a share? Are we using a share? If we do have access to share, creating yourself a folder and start putting it there. And the wonderful part about Windows, you can encrypt your folders uh, too, very easily, right-clicking and going in and encrypting the folder. So if it is something that, for say, it's like uh, it's in a share drive, it's uh, your own one that's attached to your profile. But within there, you also keep like personal work uh, documents, like things that HR and different things ask from you a lot or your evaluations or whatever. You can encrypt that folder and put still put it up there in a network drive, not have to worry about, you know, IT or anybody accessing and sniffing around later on. If, you know, you walk in one day and you're fired, I don't know, just say it. Uh, but think about also uh, work in this instance too, and we're in what you can do under the constraints that is allowed to you. And if you are actually the boss, think about the fact of maybe making your worker's life a little bit easier for when computers do break. Just saying, putting it out there. Any thoughts? I actually hadn't thought about the work aspects of it. I mean, it's just part of my normal routine is to kind of distribute my data across various servers or machines, things like that. But yeah, that's a very valid point. One I, like I said, I hadn't considered. I know that there's certain, uh, as long as your stuff is not, I can't put together the sentences right now. Pretty much everything Davinia said, just cover your butt. <laughs> Um, when she, but I will, I will say for the, the encrypted part that you were talking about, yeah. I would recommend that you really only encrypt stuff that's of personal nature. Things like she said, HR information, medical information that you may need if you're doing any kind of like HR complaint or something like that. Yes. Encrypt those things, stuff that the, that 
if you were not able to come into your computer or let's say that there's somebody malevolent that's trying to get into your stuff that you wouldn't want them to be able to have access to. But don't use that for work files. Don't use that for documents that technically like belong to the organization. Because if you encrypt right. that stuff, they can cause legal problems for you to get to to get the passwords or try to get those out. Pretty much encrypt stuff that's yours, that is of you, not documents that technically belong to the organization that you work for, that you're creating for them, because then you can cause yourself more problems down the road. Right. Don't, don't so use it as it, like it, a time bomb or a screw them kind of tool. Because like I said, it'll cause you more pro- it causes you more problems down the road. And that is our disclaimer. We're not telling you to do that. So just for a note. And, and mind you too, in the, um, in the PC Windows world, you can uh, encrypt individual files or you can encrypt a whole folder. And then all files that go into that folder by default are encrypted. So yeah. So one thing I was just thinking about, and one of the reasons I got a little distracted a second ago, is there's the question of kind of what to back up. And backing up your files, backing up your folders, things like that makes complete sense. One of the things is I just bought a whole bunch of computer parts to build a computer. First Windows machine I'm going to have in a long time. And I'm building it to act as a Plex server and to run Steam games to be hooked up to my TV. I'm probably not going to set up much in the way of any kind of backup on that computer. And the reason is, is Steam games usually have cloud saves. So the saved game for the game is up in Steam's system. And Plex, all I have to do to rebuild it is reinstall Plex and retrawl my uh, my NAS. So none of like the videos or music that... Plex will be using are actually on that computer. So data that you can easily regenerate, so essentially it's derivative of something else, isn't necessarily worthwhile backing up. It extends the amount of time to back up. It extends the amount of time to recover. It extends how much you're backing up. And sometimes it's just easier to say like, like if, it, if it's something that you can easily rebuild, like say you've got a, an Excel spreadsheet and then you've got a presentation that has, that's just graphs made from that Excel spreadsheet. Well, there's no reason to, to back up the, the presentation because you can just easily rebuild it from the Excel spreadsheet. And that's a horrible analogy, but that's mainly what I'm trying to explain is if it's derivative data. If it's something you can easily rebuild, if it's something you can easily recreate, it may not be worth the expense or the time to back it up. So like I said, with this Windows computer, I at this time don't really have plans to set up backups because I can always redownload the games from Steam. I can always rebuild the the Plex uh, information by just rescanning my NAS. So I'm not too worried about that, and I'm not having to have another machine that I have to main that I have to manage its backups that I have to be scared about. That machine I don't have to worry about. But like my 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 personal computer, my NAS, I am paranoid about those because I cannot regenerate the data that I store on those. And that's just one thing to consider. Right. So operating Operating system, no. Setting system settings, yes. Yeah, if you have an easy way of backing up your system settings so that you don't have to go back and completely reconfigure your system on a restore. Yeah, that's nice. So that's that's data that you can all easily kind of regenerate in some ways. But it's also nice to have. So like I have an entire, like you use it. I have an entire repository that's just scripts that essentially reconfigure my computer so that from a base machine, all of a sudden I can run one command and come back like an hour later and I have a whole ton of software and fonts and everything installed and command line tools and set up. 
all this stuff configure and like pre-configures applications. But that's that's going a st- like an extra step. <laughs> hey, but if you're handy like that, go for it, man. If you can write it out and, you know, and also you can get on and to Daryl's uh, GitHub and even learn what he did in his and maybe write one for yourself. Uh, but very, very handy uh, as far as for reconstructing the computer for uh, development. And I love the fact that he's doing it. I'm like, thank God I don't have to write this myself. He enjoys this for fun. I like doing testing. I like doing uh, system configuration. I like, I'm surprised I haven't gotten more into DevOps or system management, things like that. But we each have our, our little bits that we find fun and interesting. You like pugs. Now that was random. <laughs> Uh, so is there anything else you can think about when it comes to, to backing up your stuff? Oh, yeah, I guess there is one other thing. If you have the chance, once you've been backing up for a little while, if you can do it without like costing a lot, like especially if you have like a time machine backup or like a, a, a carbon copy clone uh, or a super duper co- clone of your drive, something that you can plug into another computer and bring up and test, test your backups. Check and make sure that they actually work. Because there's nothing as bad to have that feeling like, oh, I'm completely protected. And then something goes wrong and you go to restore and all of a sudden you're like, oh, none of these backups work. All of this data is bad. You from like for something like Backblaze or Crash Plan or Restore costs money because they have to you have to re-download your data or you have to back up, you know, have them send you a hard drive, something like that. You can spot check files from those tools and like download a couple of important files just to make sure that those were backed up cleanly. Uh, if you're doing a whole disk clone, like I said, go in and check that the data is there. Uh, if you're backing up your data from a from a, an app or from an online tool or online service, check and make sure that what got exported is the right thing and that it ends up in your your time machine backup or your offsite backup, just to make sure that when something does go wrong, you actually can recover. And that's probably one of the like the biggest gaps I see in most people's plans for backups is they don't actually check to make sure their backup is running correctly. It, and is backing up all the stuff that it's supposed to. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and which makes me think about when as soon as you said that was virtual machines, I probably do that more often than I do with my backups. So probably about once, once a month, maybe once every other month, I'm probably checking my backups and stuff. But as far as um, my virtual machines, I think I'm actually doing that more periodically than anything else as far as um, double checking. And, and then normally it's because I do a restore from one to check it. And then I also clean out the old ones and then I create a new one and uh, start over again because I don't like to keep a whole bunch of those uh, built up because it takes up so much space. Yeah, hey, I, it's easy for me to say space is cheap. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm in a good enough position that I'm able to set up something like, you know, a NAS that has eight terabytes of storage. You know, most people don't have that as an option. So you have to be frequently, you have to be more judicious about what you back up. Uh, like one of the biggest things, problems people have with backups is like backing up their photos and because it's just a ton of storage. Like a lot of people never even get them off their phone in the first place, which, oh, please at least copy your photos off of your phone. But there's, there's photo storage sites coming up. So they come up and they go away. There's been, there were some really popular ones that all died, but really you've got Apple's photos You've got Google's photos. You can store your photos in Dropbox if you're using something like CrashPlan or whatever. However,
however your uh, Backblaze, however you've got them stored on your computer is cool. Those are the ones that I always hear people talk about. Like, yeah, documents are bad when you lose them. But like the ones that like hurt people like emotionally are photos and like videos of their kids or their family. And that's one of those things to really consider as part of your your backups. Yeah, I'm lost. That's that's about all I got on that. Can't think of anything else. So that's pretty much what we got. Like I said, please, at the very least, scratch up the five bucks a month and set up something like Backblaze or CrashPlan. It takes a while to get the initial backup, you know, uploaded, but it is it is at least the the, the bare minimum for for having a, a a safety net. And that's all this really is. Like we did a whole episode on emergency preparedness, and that's really what you're doing right now. But you're doing it for a very specific emergency your phone going into a toilet or your co- your computer getting uh, hit with lightning or breaking or just stop working, you know, components fail. Set up something. Even if you, like, don't, you don't need to go as insane as I am and as fully documented as what I do. I go above and beyond. I fully accept that. But set something up. Do at least a little bit just so that if something goes wrong, you're not completely screwed. And on that note, we'll uh, finish up our discussion about backups and we'll move off to our uh, send-off. So you have, my, my dear friend Davinia, have something interesting listed for your send-off. Right. So right now going through the 18th, I believe, to the 21st. So coming up on the date, um, the Division beta. It's open beta right now for PC, PS4, uh, Xbox. Um, uh, was it Xbox One? I don't know if it's on the 360 or, or PS3. but Probably just the my- Xbox One. Yeah, I think it's Xbox One, PS4. Uh, they have the open uh, beta for uh, the Division, the Tom Clancy game that's going to be coming out next month, I believe March 8th. So good, the beta. Oh my gosh. It, it's This is going to be the next big game, I think, for the year. What kind of game is it? Okay, so it's it's based upon uh, near future uh, a virus strain or something gets released out into America and complete and total government fallout, all out kernel pocket based like war. But we go into like a mil- material. Was it? Uh, can't even talk today. Militaristic, militarized. Militarized is what I was going for. I couldn't talk. I like got stuck on my tongue. New York City, and you get dropped in as an agent that is trying to retake uh, New York. The cool part about it is that while you're running around and you're doing all these things, it's open world. Still have the RPG aspects as far as building your character, weaponry, uh, doing hacks and mods for your uh, weapons and stuff. But you're also building out a base and trying to um, reestablish certain resources like medical and security and different things like that. But other people are also running around too. Uh, So you got a lot of interplay with other um, players online and stuff. And unlike some of these other games, (laughs) one of those other agents or something try to fire upon you or shoot you or something, then all of a sudden they've gone rogue and they actually get a uh, bounty put on their heads for uh, so long. So, you know, all of a sudden you get all the other agents go after them, but, which was pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, shoot me. Now you got a bounty on your head. Just for clarification, gameplay wise, it is a third person shooter with RPG elements, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was leading up to that. I know I kind of started going into the actual <laughs> game, but visually, it, I mean, for a beta, I mean, visually it's... Th- it's just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous game. And I'm not really one for a lot of uh, shooters, but this one I already put on pre-order. 
for my Amazon Prime, which knocked like, I think 11 or 10 bucks off ordering it now. Um, I'll actually get it to my house the day of release. I really want to check it out. And I put the link in there if you want to uh, download the beta or look at it or just check out uh, what's being said about it right now. But they opened up quite a bit in the beta for you to get used to it and stuff. The only sucky part is all your progress that you make in the beta is not going to transfer over. But, you know, still, if you want to get your hands in there now, see if it's even something you're interested in or maybe something you want to buy, download the beta and check it out. I think it was about 26 gigabytes. So, yeah. So many gigabytes. So many. And, it, you know, it really doesn't seem like that much anymore. But also, too, you know, I, I had changed out my um, drive on my PS4 and upgraded it and stuff so i got plenty of space in there now so uh my my send-off is <laughs> uh, a lot simpler and a lot shorter uh it finally got cold in florida and i don't like the cold 60 degrees cold my house was 66 this morning and i realized to some people that's like shorts and t-shirt weather and for me that's like oh man <laughs> i need a blanket uh, i am a swamp rat flat out but uh so what i'm gonna suggest is the Blasco space heater. It was listed as a top choice on Wirecutter, which is a great site if you're looking for kind of electronics gear or home appliances, things like that. And I got it last year and I used it some last year, but I've really been using it heavily this year. And it works great. It is a solid little space heater and I loves it because it keeps my toes warm. And that's pretty much it. I, I'm just happy with my little space heater. Now, do you have one at work too? I, I stole Derek's at work so that I have one at work too. His isn't Alaska. Uh, I'm just talking about the one that I've got and I have a link to. But yeah, I am a big fan of little space heaters. Yeah, at the end of winter. We're like almost through winter. <laughs> you go get a space I've had heater. mine since, I've had mine for over a year. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got mine when it got real cold last year. And by the time it came in, it had started to not be so cold. I used it a little bit last year, but this year, man, who when it got cold, I'm like, hello, little heater. And it's just been sitting next to my desk for the last two, you know, month and a half. And I get up and I'm working and it gets cold in the house and I just turn it on and have hot air blowing across my feet or I put it up on my desk and have it heat in the area. It's really nice. Now, I'm not going to lie. We had a couple of days there, a couple of weeks where it was like 30-ish and I was like, okay, and this is not why I live in Florida and I'm not happy right now. But complaining to relatives that are further uh, north of me uh, was not, they weren't having it because they were in the teens with uh, snow on the ground. So, you know, I get no sympathy from anyone. I don't care. They don't get any sympathy when they start complaining about it being, oh, it's so hot. It's like 85 degrees. I'm like, look, until it gets like 90 degrees and 90% humidity, I really don't care. True. True. Like I've been up north where they have like no humidity and it's like 110 or something. I was up in Idaho doing like manual labor, like literally pulling irrigation lines from my grandmother and it was like 110 112 out they have no humidity and i'm just sitting out there like you know it feels like it's about 90 and somebody's like no it's like 110 i'm like are you lying to me <laughs> so i just i when they talk about oh it's so hot i'm like i really don't care <laughs> go away now they can't deal with the heat. We can't deal with the cold. It works out. It all does in the end. So that about does it for us this week. Sorry about the delay, but I think we had good reasons. Uh, we'll be back soon. As always, you can find us on uh, our website, facet.fm. You can also hit us up on Twitter. We're at facet.fm on there. You can contact me directly. I'm at Barbarian Geek, and people can contact you at Development Nerd on Twitter. Um, also, if you can rate us on iTunes, it really helps people find the show. Uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Peace.